Hey, Coastal, Pastor TJ here. We are so glad you are joining us online this weekend. I know, I know, I know. We were so looking forward to actually having some in-person gatherings this weekend, but you know, your health and safety are of the utmost importance to us. And so just bear with us as we continue to monitor the situation and monitor everything that is happening because we cannot wait to go back to in-person services. But while we will go back to in-person services, we will still be coming to you every single weekend online as well. And this weekend, I'm excited to to have the opportunity to share with you. In fact, there's, there's something that has been on my heart in this season. I don't know about you, but COVID-19 and the isolation and all of these things have given me a lot of personal time to become very, very introspective. You know, to really look at some things in life and really analyze and assess and really dive down deep when it comes to things that, that should matter. And maybe in all honesty, we, we say they matter, but they don't necessarily reflect in what we do on a daily basis in life. And one of the areas that I've been reflecting a lot on in this season is my relational world. I don't know about you, but the one thing that that being isolated and having the, the social distancing has caused, has caused me to really look at my relational world. And I, I sometimes forget how important relationships are to my emotional health, to my physical health, to even my spiritual health in life. And so I've been really looking at that. And, and I would say that all of us would, if we were to look at our life, we would say, one of the most important things uh, fundamentally or the, at least theoretically would be our relational world. We would say, man, relationships are a critical element to our lives. And, you know, one thing that it has caused me to look at is, is that as I'm being introspective in looking at my relational world, I'm saying to myself, man, is my life really patterned around the relationships and the people that matter most. And being around people that are going through difficult situations, walking with people that have had loved ones pass away or in critical condition has really made me ask myself that question. And it's made me reflect on a verse out of Psalms chapter 39, verses four and five, where David says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. This is a good moment for us to be reminded that our days are numbered, that our life is fleeting. He goes on to say, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand, which if you look at the width of your hand, is, is, it's not super wide. He says, my entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. In other words, my days are numbered. Your days are numbered. And I'm not saying this to create more anxiety or more stress or more pressure in our lives, but 
It's also a reminder to us that our, our, our lives do not last forever. Like every moment that we have in life is not just a moment that is a throwaway moment, but it is a precious, precious moment. And it's easy to put off things that matter most for things that don't really matter much at all. And, and it made me ask myself, like, what, what does my life look like? Because if I look at the end of my life and, and I'm looking as I'm introspective, what matters most? If I'm looking at that, if I'm looking at that from, from my calendar and how I schedule my life and who I spend time with, and if I'm saying that there are some people and some things that are very, very important to me, if I say what matters most in my life is this, but my schedule does not reflect that, then my priorities are out of whack. And as I've been looking at my own life, it's been challenging me uh, to, to do that. And what I know as a pastor is as I've spent time with people that are in these last moments or in desperate moments because they think it's some of their last moments, the thing that they always say that matters most is people. And when people are at that moment, you know what they want to do? They want to bring the people that matter most around them. And so it made me start asking the question, what are my top priorities when it comes to life? And what are my top three priorities when it comes to relationships? And if I were to ask you those questions, like what are your top three priorities in life? I guarantee you that the majority of you would say relationships are at the top of it. And so my question to you is, is does your calendar... Does your lifestyle back that up? I, I, I read this on Pinterest this week, it, and it said this. You can go on all day about what your priorities are, but your priorities are what you did last week. Your priorities are what you did last week, which is so true because our calendars, our schedules, they don't lie. And so it makes me ask the question, if we say that relationships are so important in life, if they're so critical in our lives, then why do we spend so much of our lives on other things? Now, for me, this past month, the month of June, has been honestly a, a very, very difficult month um, it is the one-year anniversary of, of my wife and I actually losing our foster son in, in that process. And this month has given me a lot of time to reflect on how critical and how important that relationship is. It's also given me some time to continue to deal with some hurt and some pain that has come from that. And uh, it, it was making me think about my last couple of weeks with, with Alexander in our home and, and how in that period of time, like nothing else mattered because I knew that there was, a, there was an end date coming. And uh, for those last three weeks that I had him, I, I, I dropped everybody and everything else in life. Why? Because he was my priority. And, uh, and it got me thinking as I was reflecting on that, all of my life for that time period re revolved around him. 
Like, I, 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 they, they gave me a break from, from being here. In fact, they, they sat me down for a little bit because I was emotional basket case. Some of you remember. Um, and, and so it was best that, that maybe I not lead some people in that time and do those types of things. And, and so I remember being in that state and all that mattered was spending time with Alexander, going and having experiences with Alexander, making sure that, that I, I could create all kinds of lasting moments and memories with him in life. And it, it just, it got me thinking like, why did I wait till it was about to end to try to create all those moments at that point? Like why in life do we wait to the most critical moments to go tell people that we love them, that we care about them, that we're concerned for them? Why do we wait till the very end or the, the last second to do things that we could do on every single day? And, and, and sometimes I think we just have to shake ourselves and remind ourselves that this life that we're living, this day that we're living, is this is the only day that we're ever going to get of this day ever before. Like, this isn't the opening act to a concert. There aren't like three more bands before the main band comes on. No, no, no. This is it. Like, this life we're living is all that we have. And this great adventure of life is called to be lived out in the context of community. And so if you knew your time was limited on earth, how would you live relationally different? And so I have a question for you today, and it's this. If your life ended today, would you be proud of your relational world? Would you be proud of how you structured your life and your priorities and your relationships? And so I just want to talk to you real quick this weekend about three things that I think that I am working on myself. But I would say that we all would need to lean into if our relational world was coming to an end. If you were taking notes at home or online, number one, the first one is this, is this time. If you knew your time was limited, you would want to spend time in those relationships. And the one thing I've learned in life is that you cannot microwave oven relationships. You can't just pop it in, put it in for two minutes, and then you have this amazing relational world. And when we live our life as if there is no end, we always think that I can get to those things someday. Someday I'll get to that. And, uh, and I think what happens um, is we end up with really mediocre relationships. In fact, I, I wrote it down like this. Mediocrity becomes a constant in your relational world when you buy in to the illusion that you have un limited time. One of the biggest dangers to your relationships is the illusion that you have forever. And because you think you have forever, it impacts all of our relationships. And uh, in one area that I see this in, particularly when it comes 
to parenting and when it comes to families. And, and don't check out on me just because I'm talking about parenting right now. But I, I want to talk to parents a little bit because um, here's what I think is happening in today's society, in today's world. We are raising children, and, and I am so guilty of this, that are experience-rich and relationally poor. And, and don't, don't misunderstand me. I think it's coming from a very, very good place. I think that there's so many parents that are out there that are looking at their children's lives and they want their children to have every experience that they, they never had. They want them to have every adventure that they never got to take as a child. And so they don't want to rob their children of that. They want their children to have every single experience they can. And so what that means is that as a parent, you have to throw yourself into providing for all of those experiences. And so you're so busy providing to create experiences that what happens is, is because we spend so much time going to work and doing all these things so that we can afford or we can have the ability to get Johnny or little Susie from baseball game to band camp to whatever it may be to sport, to sport, to sport, because we want our children to have every single experience possible that's out there because we don't want them to miss out on the things that we missed out on they end up being experienced rich, but relationally poor. And here's what I know about every single parent out there is we want to raise our children so that they can become kids that turn into teenagers that eventually turn into healthy adults. At least I think some of you do. Some of you still have your children living with you at 45 years old and you're 60. Maybe it's time for you to transition them to adulthood. But, but the thing that is going to help them transition to their adulthood isn't another experience. It's going to be the relationship. It's going to be that relational world. And as a pastor, I've never been in a counseling session with somebody that is struggling in life and they look back and go, you know what? All of my problems started when my father would not let me play t-ball. You know, all of my issues come out of the fact that my mom that one year could not send me to astronaut camp. I've never heard any child say that later on in life, that their world is a mess because they missed out on an experience. You know what they always say? It started because I never knew my mom. It started because my dad was always gone. And I just, I've been looking for that love all of my life that I never got from him or from her. I'm not trying to guilt anyone here, but what we need is to be emotionally present. And being emotionally present only happens when you spend time. See, a lot of us are physically present. Well, I'm with my children all the time. That's what you're saying right now. I've spent four months in quarantine with them. They see me every single day. Yes, you are physically present, but you're emotionally distant. Sitting on the couch next to each other watching a movie is not emotionally present. You had an experience. You watched a movie. But you know what they really need is they need time. 
I actually come from a broken home and uh, some of my most impactful moments of life are not the experiences that I've had. It, it, it came from the conversations, particularly with my stepfather. His name is George. And uh, it was George every morning that would get me up when I was in high school and we would sit, he would make me sit down with him at the breakfast table and make me have conversations and talk and ask me things and actually care what I said. Those are the moments that I remember why. Because it was the time that was spent not the experience that we had. Now listen, we had tons of experiences and they were fun, but they were not impactful. And so I think time is a critical element. Number two, if you're taking notes, words. The second area I would encourage you to intensify when it comes to your relational world is your words. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, the tongue can bring death or life and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. They'll reap the consequences good or they'll reap the consequences bad. And you need to understand and I need to understand that our words are powerful. And I don't understand why God created our souls in such a way that we are so, so impacted by words, but that is how he created us. And, 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 and there, he created us in such a way that there are two really, really powerful areas, this area of time and this area of words. And, and when I think about words, what I've noticed is that all of us have a tendency when it comes to our words to fall into conversational patterns. Uh, we, we all have them in life. Like uh, we, we'll get on the phone with our parents. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Hey, how's mom? Mom's good. Uh, uh, life is good. How's, how are the siblings that I haven't talked to? Oh, they're doing good. Oh, that's great. I love you. Bye. And, and this happens every week or every month. Why? Because we have a relational pattern in life. Shayla and I, we can follow into relational patterns. I'll come home and, and she'll go, hey, how was your day? And I'll talk to her about work. And I'll go, hey, how was your day? And she'll talk to me about work. I'll go, oh, that's great. We'll, we'll, we'll close the conversation. We'll go on to the next day and we'll follow that pattern day after day after day if we're not cognizant of what is happening. And the problem with this pattern is what we all really want out of every relationship is this word called intimacy. And when I talk about the word intimacy, what I mean is that we all want to be fully known and fully loved. Now, we all want to be fully known and we all want to be fully loved, but very few of us will actually take the risks in conversation to actually create this thing called intimacy. And so what ends up happening is we end up in these conversational patterns that actually keep us 
from experiencing intimacy in a relational world when deep down inside, more than anything, that is what we want. Now, intimacy is not revealing our deepest, darkest secrets. Intimacy is, is created in conversation. Anytime you're willing to get outside of your comfort zone. And here's how I know you get actually get out of your comfort zone. What will happen is when you start to create intimacy, there'll be a little bit of a twinge inside of you that makes you feel like I am oversharing right now. Like I, I am getting a little bit beyond where like uh, uh, this moment that, that the moment it gets deepened, there will be this twinge inside of your soul. In fact, I kind of put it on, on, on for you like this. It's, it's kind of this, this place of vulnerability plus curiosity will create intimacy. What it means is that in your relational world, there is a moment where somebody has to decide, you know what, I'm gonna be vulnerable. What I'm gonna do in this conversation is I'm gonna open you up to some of my hurt, some of my pain, some of my experiences, some of my feelings right now, and I am going to put them out on the table in conversation and put them out there. That's the risky part right here. Somebody actually has to get to this place where they go, you know what, I am going to be vulnerable, but the other side is the other person in the conversation, you know what they have to be? They have to be curious. They can't just be, oh man, that sucks and just move the conversation on. No, no, they gotta go, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's causing that? Like, and they gotta be curious enough to dive into the conversation to try to understand your hurt and your pain and your feelings. And when these two things happen in conjunction, all of a sudden there is this thing called intimacy or this relational connection. This emotional connection. And I just wanna stop right here because I think this is a good moment to explain something that is going on in our world right now. Our black brothers and sisters, and that's what they are, they are our brothers and sisters, are coming out right now and they're being emotionally vulnerable. They're telling you about your, their hurt and their pain and their feelings. And when we refuse to be curious, we destroy intimacy. We destroy a conversation. Listen, right now in our world, we don't have to agree on everything. Honestly, in our world right now, sometimes we need to put our opinions aside and just listen. Because whether we agree or not, Feelings are valid to that person. On the flip side of that, 
to have true intimacy, both people have to listen. To seek understanding. In fact, I've had a lot of conversations with people over the last couple of weeks that have been willing to be vulnerable with me with things that they have disagreed with what I have said publicly in messages. And I love that. I love the fact that they're willing to be vulnerable with me because you know why? It gives me an opportunity to be curious of why they disagree. And while we might not come to the same conclusion and we might not end up agreeing exactly, what we do have is a better understanding and we can still end up loving and caring for one another in spite of our differences. But curiosity will require both of us to listen. And so I think it's important that when we start to dive into a relational world, we think about people. And when we think about people, there's two questions we should ask ourselves, particularly when it comes to our words, and I'm going to put them up here for you, and they're this. Who has God placed in your life? Because God has put people sprinkled all throughout your life. Those people are not there on accident. I believe that God put them there on purpose. Those relationships that are in your circles, they're not an accident. They were intentional by God. And number two, what do they need to hear from you? What do they need to hear you say in this moment? What does that person need to hear from you? Maybe they need to hear, I love you. Maybe they need to hear, I'm sorry. Maybe they need to hear, um, hey, how are you doing? In fact, right where you are, whether you're in your home or in your car or listening to podcasts, here's what I'd love for you to do. If you're in your car, I don't want you to do this unless you can talk to your phone. I'd love for you to take out your phone because every single one of us right now is thinking about a person. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take out your phone and text that person what you need to say to them. Maybe for some of them, it's I'm sorry. Maybe for others, is I forgive you. Maybe for somebody else, is I miss you and I'm thinking about you. I don't know what it is for you, but here's what you need to do. And here's the deal. Some of those conversations, you might not get a response, but that's okay because it's not about them. It's what is God calling you to do when it comes to your relational world. And then number three, we have got to live when it comes to our relationships with grace. Grace. You know, really interesting dynamic as a pastor is getting to talk with people that are at the final stages of their life. And 
When people are near the end of their life in a hospital room or in a hospice care situation, uh, they have a tendency to talk about grudges and hurts and pains in their life and not in the way that you think. Most of the time, they are talking about their grudges and their hurts and the pains from the aspect of, man, you know what? It's time for me to let go of that grudge, that hurt, or that pain. Now, here's what I want you to do real quick. I want you to close your eyes and visualize that person that has hurt you, that has done something wrong to you, that right now you have conflict with. Visualize them. Get a picture in your mind. See them right where you are, and 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 this isn't a, a big deal. I'm not talking about this tension or unresolved. I'm not talking about you picturing that. I'm just asking you to picture that person. Okay. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your eyes. Now one of the things I can tell you, after you just pictured this person, is this is word grace is not actually about that person. In fact, it's not about them at all. This is actually about you, and this is actually for you. This is not for them. This is for you, and it's important to remember that this grace is for you because if you don't learn to transform that pain, what you'll do is you'll just continually transfer it. And this is, this is, this is why grace is for you because if you don't learn how to transform that pain by the grace of God, then you will just take that pain and transfer it from relationship to relationship to relationship because no pain becomes isolated in just that situation. That little bit of hurt begins to seep down into every aspect of who you are and it begins to impact and affect every relationship you have in your life, not just for that moment, but for years and decades and on and on and on. And listen, I'm not an expert on forgiveness. This is something that I've struggled with. Like when Jesus said, how many times do you have to forgive somebody? 70 times seven. I'm like, oh, 490 times. So I, I forgive them. I forget. I'm like counting it out. No, it's something you got to practice on a daily basis. But I do truly believe the only power we can get to truly forgive someone. And the only place that gives us the understanding of that is to understand how much God has already forgiven us. We got to understand how much God has already forgiven you and I. And I always, I always refer to this. In fact, my pastor taught me this a long time ago. And I know it's not, not uh, a great terminology, but it's, it's great for us to hear today. Listen, he told me all the time. He said, listen, TJ, people are going to hurt you. I'm like, that's a terrible thing to tell me. He goes, here's what you need to remember. People are stupid. Come on, we can agree with that right now. People just do some dumb things sometimes, don't they? They just do things that you're like, why? What's that all about? And then he said, TJ, you can't fix stupid. You could only love it. And I remember the first time I heard him say that, it reminded me of Jesus on the cross looking around at people that had just crucified him for crimes that he did not commit. If anybody thought people were probably stupid in that moment, it was Jesus. And what did Jesus say in that moment? 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And a lot of times people do things that they don't even know they did. I know I do things a lot of times that I do not even realize that I did. And you know what? In the middle of people doing something, they didn't even realize what they were doing. You know what Jesus was doing? He was extending this amazing grace called forgiveness. And whenever I begin to focus on my sin and how bad I've screwed up and how bad I've messed up and, and all the things that I've done in life and how far away from God I was, but yet God heaped all this amazing grace and forgiveness on my life. When I start to reflect on that fact, the fact that he welcomed me back, he extended his arms, that he accepted me, that he loved me right where I was so that I could become the man or woman that he always intended for me to be, when I think about that and when I, that begins to drop in my head, it begins to compel me to extend that same grace to other people. It makes me, it reminds me that it's, it's, it's not about giving them something that they deserve. It's about giving people things that they don't deserve because I was given so much that I don't deserve. And listen, I'm not saying that this is easy or a walk in the park, but I do know that God forgives me in spite of me, and that should cause me to forgive others in spite of them. Now, now, don't confuse forgiveness for something else. Forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiveness is not tolerating. It's not uh, necessarily reconciling. But sometimes reconciliation can't happen without first forgiving. Forgiveness is simply saying, man, I'm giving up my right to see that person hurt back. I'm just giving up my right to hurt you back. And listen, it takes a lot to forgive, but here is what it will cost if you don't. It will cost you your heart. I know it's a lot to forgive other people. It's a lot to extend grace. But the inability to forgive will choke the joy and the life right out of you. If you choose not to forgive, you choose not to extend grace, you'll be chained to resentment and bitterness and anger in rage, and those things will transfer to every other relationship. So the only true power to forgive comes from the facts and the understanding that you have already first been forgiven. And I think that if we really understood and comprehended that our days are numbered, and our days are limited and they're only but the width of our hand, that these three things, our time, our words, and our grace would become the most extreme, important elements of our life that we would be looking at, 
that we would be assessing, that we would be judging our life on. And here's what I want to challenge us with, Coastal, is in these days, how are we investing our time? In these days, how are we using our words? Are we building people up or are we tearing people down? And how are we extending and how are we receiving the amazing grace of Jesus Christ? And maybe you're out there today and you've never experienced the most amazing grace there is. And that is the grace that there is this God in heaven that loved you so much that he would send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to pay a sinner's price of death, which is my sin and your sin, that he would go to a cross and take all of that and die and be crucified for what we did. I mean, that is some amazing grace. And then three days later, he would rise, defeating death in the grave so that you and I could experience life and have life to the fullest. And maybe you're out there today watching and you've never experienced that. And this is the day that is an opportunity for you to experience that. And it begins very simply with a prayer. And you can pray this in your heart as I prayed out loud. It begins like this, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for coming to this earth and living a perfect life and for dying a sinner's death and, and being raised to life so that I could experience new life. God, I give you my heart. I trust you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all of my uh, unrighteousness. God, fill my heart and fill me my life with your love and your mercy and your grace. Come and be and walk with me all the days of my life. Fill my life with your power, which is your Holy Spirit, which you've given to walk with me for the rest of my days. God, I love you and I thank you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Coastal, man, I love you guys. I cannot wait to see you soon again in person. Stay connected for updates of when we'll be regathering in person. But until then, man, you guys have a great week focused on relationships. Invest your time, use your words, and let's extend grace like never before. God bless.